Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, my esteemed host for the last 16 years of us doing this podcast is with us today. I know, it's been a long time. And today we're going to talk about how to engage an audience without freaking people out. Uh, And we're going to be talking with Steve Shenbaum. And, you know, Kathy and I have been working as coaches. We've helped thousands of people to perform in the top 10%. And we're always looking for cutting-edge information. I'm sure we'll get some of that from Steve today. Information that will help you be a better leader. We have this metric of, you know, how do you get into the top 10%? That top 10% is a tipping point where um, people are so much more valuable to their team, to their business, if you can get in there. And we know the tools and tips to, about how to do it. You know, it's all based on some of the concepts and competencies around emotional intelligence, these leadership competencies, that often if you could identify what it is and do it just a little bit more, or you identify what could be a derailleur and do that a little bit less. So those are all the things that we try to help you move forward with. And Kathy, welcome. Thanks, Riley. I'm very much looking forward to today's show. I was taking a look at uh, Steve's uh, YouTube content at his website and uh, some very not only compelling content and inspiring content, but humorous content. And I guess that comes from his acting background, which I resonate with, uh, having come mm-hmm. from a show business family and had gone to the Stella Adler Conservatory for many years in New York. Obviously, that didn't take me very far. <laughs> but you know, uh-huh. we all can't be stars, although we can be star performers if we understand our emotional intelligence. I'm delighted oh, wow. to, uh, to be with you today. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks, Kathy. Thank That's you, Riley. You both do such great work. Appreciate being a guest. Yeah, well, let's, let's Steve, we'll give a little bit of background of you, and then we got the questions we want to hear. Uh, and just uh, before I do that, Kathy, I haven't ever known about Stella Adler's so that you went to. My brother went there for, for a while, so uh, didn't <laughs> didn't take him too oh, no. far either. <laughs> uh, but I didn't, know, I, I didn't know that about you. That's great. All right, so let me share a little bit about Steve. Steve is the founder of Game on Nation. It's a nationally recognized communication firm that employs game dynamics. And we'll kind of, we'll talk a little bit more what that actually is, an improvisation to teach high-performance teamwork as well as communication, storytelling, public speaking, and presentation skills. Game on Nation provides authentic down-to-earth courses, keynotes, and custom training that are widely accessible and extremely successful. For 27 years, Steve and his company have helped people at the highest level of every sphere in the country, including leaders in Fortune 100 uh, companies, college professional sports teams, branches in the military, NASA, U.S. House of Representatives. So quite a, uh, a large sampling. Steve gained notoriety for his early acting career, which were Tapping on Now, which featured roles in popular comedy films and shows such as Space Jam, Will and Grace, America Pie 2, 
And so he knows the power of positive humor and is able to bring that to his audiences. I'm also interested in, in hearing about uh, some of the people that Steve's worked with, Yao Ming, Dale Earnhardt, uh, Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, a lot of sports athletes. I just came back from Las Vegas and saw the uh, in-season tournament, uh, which was great oh, watching wow. professional NBA teams. So I'm interested in hearing a little bit about that. But, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Riley. Thanks, Kathy. appreciate it. Love what you did. I love what you said about a little bit more and a little bit less. Do what's good a little bit more and do what's not as productive a little bit less. So I, I actually wrote that down. So I'm learning as I jump on as a guest on your podcast. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, super. That's great. Well, we always like to start every show giving our audience a little bit of an opportunity to learn about you uh, from more of a, you know, kind of where you've come from and who's influenced you uh, in your life, Steve. So why don't we start there? It's great. Thank you. And in Game On Terms, we call these coins. These are things that you value, people that have impacted you. Hmm. I start uh, with my mom is, is still with us. She's 92, and she's an abstract artist, and she was the one who got my brother and I, who were all geared to be athletes and sports, sports guys, uh, got us into the arts. She uh, started by uh, introducing us to abstract art, and uh, she was a teacher at Idlewild School of Music and the Arts, which is a really wonderful program outside of Los Angeles in the hills. And that's mm. what it, it sort of in, introduced me to the beauty of art, and I ended up really enjoying playing sports and doing theater. I think another one, because I got this question in advance that I thought was interesting was a couple of folks that really impacted me were my little league coaches. In fact, one of which I was able to reconnect with after 40 years and thank him. The guy that like cut the grass and, 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 and set the lines on the field and then coached the team. And when you're young, you just think these folks are heroes. And then you find out later they were like 24 years old and they were like painting houses on the side and they were totally volunteering their time to impact your life. So that's my answer. My mom, hugely impactful. And then Greg Gano, who was our little league coach. Those are two that have wildly impacted and influenced my sound. Oh, oh that's charming. <laughs> so, so how did the, you know, uh, I grew up on sports also, and we talked a bit about that. You know, I think sports yeah. are so uh, important, but how did you, uh, did you do sports and acting or how did you make that transition? Yeah. Good. I like it. Good question, Rally. And that kind of gets us into sort of a little bit of the origin story of Game On. Yeah, I was 13 years old. I was the only kid at the time that was like in the theater and also playing sports. And I turned to my mother mm. and I said, I want to create a camp. I want to start a camp called Double Play. And the idea was uh, to get a bunch of artists and athletes together and sort of have this double entendre uh, where folks that uh, play baseball and football and soccer could also uh, uh, learn about the arts because there's always been a little bit of a social divide between the two. I'm not saying they don't, they, they, right. there aren't folks that do both, but, but there is just kind of get into this. And my hometown was West Covina and it's really big into baseball. A lot of pro athletes come out of that region. So anyway, it started really with my, my conversation with my mother saying, I want to create a company called, or a, a camp called double play. Oh. It never came to fruition, but, but I did start a company years later that really connected those two high-performing worlds, and really I'm passionate about improvisation, theater, and the similarities that those concepts have with uh, high-performing mm. corporations and high-performing uh, elite athletes and teams. 
One of the things that uh, I'm curious about, Steve, and I'm sure our audience yeah. is, you know, we all do keynotes um, at some point uh, in our life, even mm-hmm. if it's just proposing to somebody, right? And mm-hmm. I'm curious, mm-hmm. so you say that keynote speakers can be a little bit more entertaining uh, and focus on substance versus the sparkle. Can you talk a little bit about what that yeah. means to you? Because I, I saw in your yeah. in your video, and I encourage our audience to go take a look at your work, you're teaching people to be present and, you know, mm-hmm. be with their, with their confidence as opposed to mm-hmm. making people around them feel, you know, like they're getting something that they didn't necessarily come to get. So this focus on substance, to me, seems critical. I love that. And I love what you said, Kathy, about even a proposal is a keynote. That's the Mm. most important. That answers my question. That is the answer is we all need to see ourselves as presenters, but we may not all be presenters in an arena or presenters in a TED Talk. Mm. A presentation could be you walking uh, past someone at the supermarket who just needs eye contact and a hello. So my, my advice to myself, because I haven't mastered this, I'm not like a guru, my advice to myself and to all those folks that are listening that, that want to share a message is you have to focus on what are the needs of the audience. You have to focus. And it's really hard because it's, all three of us are presenters. It's hard to be on stage and not uh, be self-conscious. But my uh, mm-hmm. exercise that I use that helps me out, and I hope it's taken by your listeners, is a concept called objectives. Pick one positive word that you want to make the audience feel and drive that word mm. home your entire presentation without saying it. So my word I use often and what I'm using on this podcast right now, I want your listeners to feel informed. And if I can drive that word and be practical and tangible in my concepts, the personality is going to be there because – all three of us, we're, we're all pretty dynamic people, but to, to get to the substance, I really have to focus on what word I'm trying to make the audience feel. And the outcome, mm-hmm. if I'm trying to make an audience feel informed, is I just naturally get to the point a little better. And then I don't focus on them liking me. I focus then on them loving the concepts. That's my way of uh, bridging that gap between sparkle and substance. I love that. That's powerful, too. Mm-hmm. I love the word inform. Mm-hmm. No, it is. Yeah, I also think team, it, I'm a go ahead, Riley. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, it's for, and, and I encourage people to pick, I encourage people to pick an objective that a nice compliment to their personality. Like I would never pick. Yeah. I want to make the audience feel excited. Uh, that would be sugar on sugar, and then I would try to be performative, and then I'm no longer a presenter. I'm now uh, an actor on stage putting on a show, which is totally fine, but it's not what most corporations, teams and government groups uh, hire me to do. <laughs> and I like that word informed that I imagine you come up with other ones too. What I was going to say is, is it this idea uh, of kind of priming your focus. And we talk to leaders yeah. about that. You know, I love this, what um, Robert Cialdini has talked about in his book, Presuasion, not persuasion, but presuasion. What's more accessible in the mind becomes more actionable in your delivery. And so, you know, do you have the right thing? Because most of us, as we know, are on autopilot. So how, how do you use uh, our intention and attention and kind of move forward? And I think that's really, really helpful, Steve, what you're saying, informed. I, a lot of times for me it's, is 
I, I want to kind of lighten it up for myself, and it's kind of like, okay, I just want to have fun. How about how about yeah. for you, Kathy? What do you like when you do talks, or you kind of do it? Do you have kind of a uh, a way that you prime yourself? Yep, there's a, a five word exercise that I use, and I mm. have uh, about gosh, two or three hundred words now, um, and I just pick five in a sentence. And it's uh-huh. funny because I'm yeah. in a, a class right now with a, a master class. And one of the exercises he uses is this five-word sentence. And you basically, oh. you know, just fill it in, I am already, and pick your five words. So that helps me uh, keep myself oh, okay. on point. So this is a good tip for our audience already. Uh, I am already, and then you fill it in, and you heard what Steve said, you heard what I said. So um, some of that is bridging the gap. Would you say, Steve, as, as we're looking at our questions between the, um, the stage and the audience, like how do, you, yeah. how do you figure out what the audience wants? I mean, is there some mm, more that's front a great end one. side of that that you're interviewing? Yeah. 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 I think part of that is just logistical. Like if you're a, present, a presenter, a keynote speaker, so much of the work is pre, like getting with your point of contact and, and, and asking real detailed questions. So this is the part where it doesn't get sparkly at all. Uh, I always joke on stage. This is where the crowd does not go wild when they're listening. Um, we uh, mitigate that disconnect really by finding out where's the audience coming from, where are they going to. If you have a conference agenda, get it. If you can find out what the appropriate dress attire is, find out. If you can get a picture of the room before you present, get it. If you can get a sense of how high the stage is, find out. Like, I, I'm smiling now, but these are practical things that if you were an athlete, you would, uh, you would walk the court. A golfer would hmm. always walk the course. A tennis player would see, is the, is the, is the court uh, clay or is it hard court? And how quick as the ball bouncing off the, the ground. And all of this specificity, and I say it with such intention because I just feel like so many good voices are out there and they're putting themselves at a disadvantage because they're not just doing these things that are practical, which is find out, like, what's the air conditioning in the room? Are you going on stage after they've had lunch? Are you following hmm. the company president who's just given a report on the financials and the financials weren't very exciting? <laughs> so I'll take a pause right. and let you guys jump in. But those are my answers. Is the more you can control, the more intel you can get in advance, then you can have a better sense of how to meet the audience where they are. you got to figure out where they are. Yeah, I thought I was the only pain in the ass that did that before my yeah, talk. And it's I, I love it, Kathy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am laugh. very I jump detailed. Right yeah. Yes, and speakers out there, presenters out there, which is all of you, you're not high maintenance. You just have to be respectful, but tell the point of contact, I'm asking these questions because I want to serve you. I want to serve the audience. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, Kathy, that level of hype. And it's hard. You don't want to be rude and you don't want to – you know, be a, you know, you come across like a diva, but yeah, I'm really detail oriented so that yeah. I could be free and I can get out of my own way and I can stop worrying about the audience liking me and I could uh, serve what they, what they want and what they deserve. You know, the other thing, Steve, I think <clears throat> getting all that information up front is kind of finding out what, what their language is, what the projects are that they work on so that you can 
uh, filter those into the talk because that resonates yes. with them. You know, it's that I think it gives that familiarity. If you can talk about, you know, yeah. the project that they're working on or, or that they dealt with this issue. And I think on some almost unconscious level, people go, oh, wow, he, he or she knows me. And so that kind of yeah, resonates. That's a really, really good important. point, Rally. That's a really good point. I, I'll give you an example of that. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to really serve your listeners. Um, you don't have to be a master of their culture. You just have to have enough care and intention. Our joke is if you're going to speak to a hockey team, you do not know, need to know how to uh, skate, but you do need to know what the blue line is. If you know what the blue line is, you're mm-hmm. showing them that you honor their culture. Another example is I was doing a speech in Budapest, and there was a group, mostly international, and I made a mistake. I, I referenced the New York Yankees uh, quite a bit on stage, and afterwards, my point of context, this was years ago, my point of context, it's the, that may not have been the most accurate reference because most of the people in the audience uh, are not American, and that's not really their, their, their right. baseball team. So I learned a valuable lesson. So that, that idea yeah. of knowing the language, yeah. honoring their culture, and uh, it doesn't mean you have to master their world. Well, we're going to be right back, so don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News, and when we come back, we're talking to Steve Scheinbaum, and we're going to talk more about GameOnNation.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech, like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand with quality with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practice of Top Performers. We're talking with Steve Shenbaum, who is a top performer and helps top performers. And so, Steve, I'm, I'm interested uh, to hear a little bit more about how you um, bring some of these uh, tools and tips, sounds like from the sports background and then the artist background, uh, to a variety of folks. So maybe just give us the kind of the uh, – the services that Game On Nation does. And for our, our listeners, you can go to www.gameonnation.com. You can fill out uh, to get on the mailing list, and you can get some more of these tips, you know, from Steve. So, get, like, what's the services that you folks do? Well, I appreciate that. We do both virtual and live trainings, Rally, and really we focus on three buckets. We focus on teamwork. That's just a big area of authority and focus that we have. Uh, which involves connection, building relationships. Um, and then the second component is we focus on public speaking and presentation skills training, which is pretty sort of self-explanatory. And then the third bucket is we, we focus on actually training uh, public speakers, and we do a train-the-trainer program where we will license some of our interactive curriculum to help uh, other mm-hmm. leaders um, deliver some of this content uh, to their staff. And that's been 27 years of honing that because we used to try to be everything to everybody, and it got tricky. So those are the three areas we focus in. And then the three audiences we focus on are college and pro sports teams, uh, military and government personnel, and corporations. And that's it. That's our laser focus, and it took me 27 years to get that simple. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It's really not that simple, but tell us a little it bit is, more about – What's that? No, go go ahead. I was just talking about when you're delivering to large audiences and um, you're training people to, to do this, how can presenters kind of bridge that gap between the stage and the audience so that they're part of mm-hmm. your presentation and they feel engaged? That's so good. Some of it's literal. Uh, you know, these production companies that put up these huge keynotes, they're wonderful. They do great work. But I'll try to get to the space early, Kathy, and see out of respect uh, if I can uh, present some of my content off the stage, if I can be on the same level, literally, as the audience. So that's truly a practical answer. I don't want to disrespect the production quality and the set design, but there's a lot of opportunities. And Kathy, I don't know if you or Rally have experienced this too, where you're up on this stage, it's six feet high, and there's maybe some space down below. Uh, The other thing is uh, more philosophical, and that is I tell people, in order to build authentic trust with the audience, don't try to win them over early. Like, I find with my energy, if I try too hard early to bridge that gap, it actually comes across as as disingenuous. So that would be a second uh, feedback I'd give is, Try to earn the trust. And lastly, my third one would be early in your presentation, see if you can provide 
a tangible, practical um, advice that you can share with the audience early to to show them that they are going to hopefully get something out of this that they can use in their daily routine. So that would be my three ways to kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, very, very, very insightful. And I agree with all of them. Mm. So here's a question for you, Steve. So what what yeah. advice do you give to your first couple sentences? You know, how do you start? And, and often with coaching, and, and I take this to leaders and to meeting at meetings, how you start is how you succeed. And so, like, what would you say? What's the the prescription for the first minute of starting a presentation? Oh, that's really good. Great question. Again, I don't want to sit here and be like, I have every answer, and I'm a guru, and I here's what I'm learning. <laughs> Presenters, yeah. we need to all identify what is our authentic style of presentation. So I'll give an example. The prescription rally is actually dependent on, I believe, the person's style of communication. And so we as presenters have yeah. got to do a lot of self-exploration and a lot of self-awareness so we can identify. So here's how we break it down, and it's taken me years to figure this out. Uh, are, you a, are you a motivator presenter? Are you an inspiring presenter? Are you an entertaining presenter? Are you a facilitator? Are you a challenger? So we actually break them into four groups. Uh, we talk about uh, motivator. We talk about entertainer. We talk about challenger, and we talk about facilitator, those four. And we have all four of them in us. But that first minute, I would coach a presenter to say, what is your speaking style? Do you like to start mm. early by challenging the audience? That's going to then define your first minute. Or do you like to open with a mm. joke to kind of create some levity? Or are you more of a factual person where you like to, um, to just give some really specific data early? So that would be my answers. First, as presenters, what's your authentic speaking style? Then lean into that minute uh, so you don't come across disingenuous. Yeah, I call myself an infotainer. I call it infotainer. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Kathy, if we were working together off of Relly's question, then, you know, we'd say, okay, so let's lean into that infotainment, and what would that sound like? But see, if, if, if another presenter wasn't as um, background in Stella Adler, just wasn't that, that wasn't their vibe, that, that style that you start out with for a minute may not uh, fit for them. And so that's my concern is we can't watch presenters and try to compare ourselves and be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to speak like Anthony Robbins, you know, that, that's his style is different than mine. And then the comparison becomes right. a beef of joy. And then we're trying to be someone or not. So, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, figure out what your swing is and then lean into that swing because audiences early will tell if you're being disingenuous and audiences now more than ever are starving not for us to act authentic, for us to be authentic, which is a big difference. This is a great, this is a great feedback. I'm, as I'm looking at this, Steve, I would say one of my natural styles is a facilitator, but probably challenging with data and facts and, and really mm-hmm. trying to get people yep. to think about things that they are not thinking about. So I would probably lean into something like that. Um, a big part of Game On Nation we haven't hit yet is this game-based concepts. So maybe just for the audience, explain what game-based concepts is, is especially in learning and development. It sounds like you've really been able to uh, integrate that into everything you do. Yeah, thank you. We started out by just studying hide-and-seek, <laughs> believe it or not. 
And because it was the most played game in the history of civilization, I thought, what are the dynamics behind hide-and-seek? Why did we play it? And how we can use some of those concepts, not all of them, some of the concepts to actually get audiences to care and remember a message. So when we talk about game-based concepts, uh, there's uh, elements, the four that we like to incorporate uh, is an acronym. It's called MILE. There's many game-based dynamics. Time is a game-based dynamic. Uh, colors is a game-based Anything that creates an uh, illusion, like video games, all of those things in video games are game-based. But for us, we call it MILE. There's mystery. We embed mystery into all of our presentations, not shock and awe, but just an element of mystery uh, into all of our exercises. The eye of MILE is incentive. We always try to think, what is the audience's incentive and how we can create a little bit of incentive in our presentation without turning it into a weird scavenger hunt. The L of mile is laughter or levity. How do we incorporate a bit of positive, uplifting humor where we laugh with, not at? And the E of mile is empowerment. How can we as presenters feel empowered, but how can we also empower our audience? So every exercise we develop, we have hundreds, we put through the mile prism. It's like a purifier. And if it doesn't score out as a four, hmm. a four meaning um, an M, an I, an L, and an E, if it's not a four, we really check it. If it's a three, we go, huh, how do we get it to be a four? If it's a two, I wouldn't play that exercise because it's going to get really weird fast. And if it's a one, you're actually going to harm the audience because you're going to try to be interactive and you're going to turn it into a really, really yeah. weird, bad trust fall where the audience doesn't trust you anymore. <laughs> so that's... Yeah. That's how we uh, across game theory is, is MILES, our acronym. So when you think about the exercises that you're going to use with an audience and you want to make them uh, appear and to uh, connect in a way that is caring and, and both easy to remember, when you are doing your interviewing up front to decide what you want to use, are there any um, elements of, of gaming or game-based concepts that you go to when you are with a, a government-based group or a sports-based group or a group of teachers or, you know, leaders? Is there something there that, that you look for in particular? So are you talking, Kathy, about like as we prepare to deliver the session and actually are coming up with yeah. the curriculum or actually when we're in the midst of, I see, in our pregame? You know, yeah, we have when you're in the pregame. Yeah, yeah, we have six signature programs. And all I get this question a lot. It's interesting. Uh, all six programs, we do not change much if it's uh, one of the six signatures. That, uh, we do not change it depending on the audience because we've tried to create these exercises where they would resonate with, a uh, college soccer team and also resonate with um, Congress. What we do change, and this goes to your question is, and maybe a good transition into like the takeaways is the games are not the star. That's really important. It goes back to that substance over sparkle. So we're not an improv company. That's the thing that could get confusing, but we use the exercise as a gateway. So what we will change, let's say an audience says we're really dealing with a lot of change in our company right now, and we need to look at change as opportunity. We'll change the tieback. So after the exercise is played, Kathy, we'll then have what we call a tieback to the exercise, so we'll make it make sense. And in the tieback, and what we call the good to do, like, okay, how do we then put this into play? We sometimes will customize the takeaway and the good to do uh, based off of the client's uh, specific needs. So that's where we'll have some customization and alteration. 
Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. So, so give me a, like maybe give our audience an example of <clears throat> like some of some of the exercises. And you know, Steve, I, I love this stuff. You know, I grew up uh, part of my training doing these outward bound programs and taking experiential mm-hmm. learning into corporations. That was my step into corporations. And I got a series of exercises and stuff I do. Um, but it's always that that thing of should I get them involved or should I speak more? And I and always remembering it's getting them involved. And the exercise get them involved, they end up losing themselves. So just kind of maybe give us some examples of how you how you do that. Yeah, we have some scene-based games. We have some group games. One that uh, it's hard to play, but we could talk it through is simple concept called last letter, first letter. I'll get uh, a, an audience member up on stage. I'll ask them to politely come up. We set rules of the game first. So quickly, the three rules of the game we always establish early on. And this is my first minute, by the way, going back to your other question. Uh, we say laugh mm. with, not at. Celebrate small wins. Have each other's back. So those are our three foundational rules of the game. Laugh with, not at, have each other's back, celebrate small wins. That sets the foundation. We explain a little bit more detail. Last letter, first letter uh, would be an exercise where I would bring one person up and I would give them space and I would slowly explain the rules. I'll do it a little quicker here. And I would start talking and they would have to start their sentence for the last letter of my last word. But I explain it very slowly so we're not rushing in. But I would set the tone and say, we're going to do a scene. We're going to agree with each other. And then I would start talking, and then after I finished what I had to say, they would have to start their sentence with the last letter of my last word. They go for a little bit, longer than a sentence, less than a monologue, and then I then have to pick up off of their last letter of their last word. So then if they might say, Steve, I'm really glad we're in this room, I would have to start my sentence with, maybe we should think about uh, exploring building on this house. So the idea is to focus on listening which is a gateway for empathy, uh-huh. and then we give some good-to-dos and takeaways. So that's just one snapshot without your uh, listeners yeah. being able to see us. As an improv, we have like hundreds of those. But again, the star is not the game. I mean, there's beautiful stuff that happens because people just get funny and creative when they feel safe. But then you say, okay, well, let's make sense of this. So we just talked about listening. So what's a good-to-do? What's the good-to-do? So I have uh, examples that I give. So I might say a good to do for listening is when your staff member comes into your office, put your laptop down. What do you call that good to do? Laptop down. <laughs> and then I'll get my facilitator hat on and I'll ask the audience to share maybe one or two good to do's, practical techniques that they can apply to improve their ability to connect with their staff. And that's kind of how the, how the rhythm works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, you just used a magic word here that is part of our mm. regular repertoire and emotional intelligence, empathy. Mm. So how mm. do you see emotional intelligence playing into uh, good leadership, uh, good listening, good teamwork, uh, all the wonderful things that you're incorporating into these presentation education programs? Yeah, and that's why I love what you all do. It was such a big part of it was emotional intelligence. Um, you know, when you're doing an improv game, let's go back to last letter, first letter, Kathleen. Like, you can't listen well if you're not having a sense of emotional control. You can't listen well if you're not present. So it actually is a great opportunity to tell the audience. Let's say I have 500 people in the audience and one person's up there on stage playing last letter, first letter with me. I turn to the audience and I say, 
were you all rooting for Kathy up there? And they all nod their head. And I say, that's irrational. We're just two people up on stage playing a weird game called Last Letter, First Letter. So it allows us to explore why, as human beings, we actually have a default of empathy and where that empathy goes out the window when we start getting self-conscious, when we start getting distracted, when we start um, uh, competing with one another. So back to this emotional intelligence, it challenges everyone to really do their own self-work, to do like Mm. self-awareness prior to going out and deploying and saving the world and going out and being a leadership coach, focusing on the brilliance of empathy. I start by going, well, did you... Did you sense how you felt when you were watching two strangers play last night mm. first letter? And they all laugh. They're like, oh, my gosh, I was irrationally engaged. I go, well, do that with everything you do. <laughs> it's a good discussion. Yeah. Now, it sounds so easy, right? I know. That's, well, you, yes. you make a great point. Look, both of you are doctors. You've done this. is not your first rodeo. I would encourage everyone listening, including the three of us, we need to start simple. We need to embrace the complexity of human beings and all of this, but we need to eventually get to the other side of the equation, which is simplified. It starts with simple. You add complexity because it's going to be complex. And then how can we all as teachers get to the place of simplified, which sometimes it takes years. You know, it's like Abraham Lincoln said, I would have written you a shorter letter if I had the time. (laughs) Well, we're going to go to a quick break. (laughs) It's that time for us. But don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. We're going to come back into GameOnNation.com, so don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Icy Tech. Like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech. 
for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Steve Shenbaum, how to engage the audience without freaking people out. So we're talking about some of the tips, the tools that he has. His website is www.gameonnation.com. And so, Steve, we want to make sure we, we hear from you. What are some of the common mistakes that leaders and also speakers make um, that we can help them you know, be aware of that? maybe ahead of time. You know, I love this conversation. And Kathy was sharing some wonderful ones uh, during our break. So I'll you know, give you credit where credit's due, Kathy. I, I think the term I used was uh, presenters, we need to be respectful, but also we need to be advocates of ourselves. And I don't mean that in a diva way, but we, we should have feel comfortable and safe to speak up and say, hey, can I get into this space a little earlier if possible? Is it okay if I click through my PowerPoint slides? Um, I would prefer a lavalier mic over a handheld mic. And again, I say within reason. Um, and, and, and to your point, Rally, my, my biggest uh, learn moment was actually not when I was a presenter, when I was an actor in Hollywood. Well, actually, I was in mm. Chicago at the time. And, and I remember Marianne Phoebus. She was a wonderful actress, and she was the mother in Rudy. And she auditioned a lot for my mom oh. in auditions. And she was a working actress. And I, I'll try to say this really quickly, but... I was timid and quiet, and, and not timid, I was, I was just a young actor. I was 23 auditioning, and we were in a scene together, and my microphone wasn't working, and I knew it wasn't, and I didn't say anything. And she pulled me out of the audition and, and said, Steve, you need to speak up. Do not be afraid to stop the scene during the audition and say, can I please fix my microphone? And even though that sounds so simple, I'll never forget it. So I'd say Marianne Phoebus, this was right. 30 years ago, helped me to say you can speak up and be an advocate if your focus is to serve uh, the moment and serve the audience. So. Mm-hmm. And But that's the important part there, right? I, like when I, the example I was giving you of not being able to, to go, you know, walk through my content to make sure the yeah. audiovisual worked, it was not yeah. for me. It was to make right. sure that the audience was going to get the most value out of my coming there to present this to them at the request of their organization, which was paying for this. Yes. But the funny part was at the end, that, yeah, and, but the funny part was they felt so bad at the end, and I'm sure if they're listening, they're going to be giggling, but they, they were so upset that I was upset that they brought me this gorgeous Louis Vuitton bag as a gift. And I, the bag, Stop I've not parted with the bag since I got it, <laughs> but obviously uh, they I think the takeaway the right thing too. Yeah. 
I think the takeaway to that is if you're an advocate, you'll get a Louis, Louis Vuitton back. No. <laughs> Um, I don't want want anybody to think that I'm going out of my way to irritate people to get a Louis Vuitton bag either. And I'm going to back you up and have your back. No, and you didn't share it that way. That's why I keep saying respectfully be an advocate. I'm going to have one more quickly, and I might might freak people out, but this whole the title of our fun session is How to Engage People Without Freaking Them Out. Speakers, as a former character actor who's very big on stage at times and have found a way to ground myself, do not tell each other to go out there and kill it. Do not tell each other to go out and bring it and spit fire. And, and I'm, I'm being slightly silly here, but you know, your question really got me thinking mistakes. Mistakes are made when we make it about ourselves. And when we turn our presentations into a performance and worse, and mm. we're human. So we'll fall for this. When we turn it into an opportunity for audiences to like us, that's when you're in total danger. And I want the speaking industry to succeed. And I want presenters to succeed. So presenters out there, stop telling each other, go out there and kill it, go out there and bring it, go out mm. there and spit fire. You're not a dragon. <laughs> and you're going to wipe yourself out because <laughs> you're going to then be disappointed because how do you score, bring it? No, right. you should go out there and see if you can share one, two, or three practical techniques that the audience can use. If you can go in with that mindset, I promise you, you will mm-hmm. uh, feel much more com- comfortable on stage. So I guess I should never say break a leg. <laughs> break a leg's okay. That's, That's the theater. Theater, theater. We're allowed, as former thespians are allowed to say that. Because <laughs> it's a metaphor. Oh, good. I, good. Yes. And it, it's funny. My You're father safe. used to explain to everybody that he, he would present yeah. everything and then he'd say, now, you know, I am a professional thespian. And of course, you know, people, not all people understand that, but I'm glad you do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Gotcha. So, uh, so Steve, along those lines, what would you say is the best way for someone to calm themselves? Now it's, you know, five minutes before the, the five minutes before the presentation and they're getting ready. And a lot of times we, we kind of help people reframe what feels like a threat into a challenge. You know, and that may be some of the stuff we mentioned about, you know, how do you get yourself set? But, like, what kind of feedback do you give people when, when they are anxious and they're self-conscious and, and you know, they're looking at the wrong person in the audience who's kind of maybe shaking their head or even heckling? Like, what would you – how do you manage yourself in the moment? So it's so good. These are the kind of conversations all presenters should be having. One I'll borrow from what Kathy shared already. I'll just amplify it. This idea of I am already. I, I really like that five-sentence thing. Um, in the game on terminology, we have a concept called coins. Uh, coins are things that you value that have nothing to do with what you do for a living, and they're your values. So coins can be people that have impacted you, places that are significant to you, pets that you have, uh, food that you love. It's things that authentically put a smile on your face. And we tell all presenters, no matter what age, no matter what audience, before you go on stage, you don't need that fifth cup of coffee. Before you go on stage, most folks probably aren't going to benefit from another Red Bull. Uh, nothing against any of that. I tell people to be a coin collector, and before they go on stage, just tap their pocket and just visualize those coins in their pocket. May not You may not talk about them, but it's a great chance for people to just remember. Like, for instance, I will think of my wife, 
my two children, uh, In-N-Out Burger, which is was started in my hometown. I'll <laughs> think about my brother, the firefighter. I'll think about the, my dog, Finley. Most of these things I will not bring up in my session, hmm. but it allows me to slow my breath down and it reminds me that nothing that happens here on stage is as important as the values that I just walked through, because it's not. Folks, this isn't life and death. It's a gift that we're presenting in front of corporations and media. Even if your PowerPoint does go out, even if your microphone does go out, you know what? You're going to be okay. So that's it. That's my answer, really, is I tell everyone, be a coin collector, have five in your pocket, tap, tap them before you walk on stage. And then the second thing you mentioned, what if you do if someone's not making eye contact or they're rolling their eyes or they're yawning or they're looking at their phone? And here's what I will say. I can't be more clear on this. Do not overread the audience. They might be looking at their phone and then taking notes. They might be yawning because they've been up for 48 hours and they missed their flight. So I would say don't overread the audience. And then lastly, you're not trying to get 100% approval. If you are trying to get 100% approval from the audience, you're making it more about you and you've lost the mission. I love that. And, you know, just one of my things that I do before I go on stage is I get a hug. I always have somebody Mm. that I know will give me a hug. And usually it's the person who is introducing me. So there's nothing better Mm. than being warmly welcomed and getting a hug. Because if the person who's introducing you on stage is already somebody that the audience is familiar with, you've already been included in their community. And it's just such a wonderful way to start everything. That's a great point, Kathy. I love what you just said. Yeah, and and as presenters, one more note, see if you can be intentional about how the person is introducing you because you make a great point, Kathy. Uh, It's not really our job as presenters to get on stage and just, like, inform the audience our bio. It's it's At least for me, it's awkward. I don't really share my testimony and my bio, bio on stage, but I love that idea of making sure that the person who presents and introduces you has the proper information and uh, almost gives you the, uh, the credibility that you deserve so you don't have to be the person playing your own agent. Beautiful. That's great. And I like Steve just kind of emphasize again, what's more accessible in your, in your mind is more probable in action. And so all those kind of priming mm-hmm. things that you were saying about getting on there with the coins and, and remembering what's important. And I think the other thing that, you know, that I try to do to get out of myself is, What's my message? Who am I trying to serve? And so it's that external yeah. focus versus that, you know, internal performance piece. So, you know, as we're winding down here, um, how would you define success? Oof. Oh, I think I'm to blame for that. It's a tough question. I think I was the one that tossed that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Hopefully, hopefully, no, hopefully you're good. Good. I'm sorry about it. Okay. <laughs> Who came up with that? Where'd that come from? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'd say for me, I don't want to sound too esoteric. I think um, let's start tangibly. If I do a presentation and I'm able to show up on time, I'm able to feel grounded and present. I'm able to end the session on time. And I'm able to uh, deliver one, two, or three practical takeaways in the presentation, then I would consider that a success because... If I don't hmm. think that way, then I'm going to be standing in the back of the room, like all human beings, hoping people come up to me saying, that was great, that was great, that was great. 
So that would be, uh, I think, from a presentation perspective, it's, it's, uh, I create tangible successes. On a larger scale, I'll go for it. Uh, I believe success for me right now is uh, a healthy family. My wife and I connected and my children connected. And most importantly, and I don't know if we were heading down this road, but I'm going to go there anyway. If I am serving my audiences on the road with more intention and focus than I'm serving my family, my wife, my children, and my staff here at home, then I'm upside down and I'm doing them a disservice. Mm. And I say this because it's very tempting. It's very tempting as presenters to meet a group of people that you'll never see again and wow them and they love you. And then you go home and you've forgotten (laughs) and you've missed your daughter's soccer game. And to me, that's tragic. Uh, Success to me is, and I'm, I'm battling it all the time. Family is um, making sure my wife and my children are, and my staff are my utmost uh, audience first. And they're not getting the uh, bookends of me. They're not getting the, uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the burnt out Steve while everyone on the road gets the sparkle Steve. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's great. Steve. What, great. What, yeah, that's what a great, great way message. to end that. Thank you. So with well, this, we I, was come, yeah. we're gonna, I was just going to say, and let's see, how do you end your talks? We're going to end our talk here. What's the best way to end your talk? Oh, it's great. I like to wrap up at uh, recall something from the beginning, not, not force it, but yeah, it's a great question and for speakers like, See if you can connect the dots. So remember, really, you asked, what, what do you do at the first minute? I would say to first presenters, remember what you do in that first minute and see if you can uh, bring it home. So when I start with hide and seek and that metaphor that I talked about earlier in the podcast, like, you know, in the mile concept, which we teach a lot, I'll end my session right at the end by saying, tag, you're it. That's it. Uh, it that's tag, you're it. Connects back to mile. And, um, and there, that for, therefore, I'm not putting a ton of pressure on myself to end with a big firework. Try to bookend it. Remember what you did at the beginning and drive it home uh, and connect it back. And if it's less than an hour, people will remember that you teed that up a while ago. So, yeah, tag your it. Well, <laughs> well we're, we're tag your it because we are right at the <laughs> edge here. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Tune Up Your Performance with Leadership Development News. Come back next week. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. And we will see you in the new year. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.